know anybody here. Uh, you know, I, I'm just... Uh... You're just looking for a handout like every other... Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs> you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that, do you? On a weekday? Is this a... What day is this? Well, I do work, sir. So if you don't mind... No, I do mind. Uh, the dude minds. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. I mean, your wife owes me... My wife is not the issue here! I hope that someday my wife... This is Gutterballs. The Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Incest in Space, Brad and Adam's Star Wars podcast. Providing insight. He's trying to embezzle money out of his own foundation that's supposed to help impoverished children. <laughs> He's exactly right. Commentary. I got my half and half in the bone ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Do you see this? Do you see this everywhere? Wow! That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs! We're off. Can I say? There we are. It's episode 14. Doesn't start at 14 minutes, though. No. Don't make that mistake. No, episode 14 is time code 13 colon zero zero to 14 colon zero zero. I mean, we've been doing this. Here's what's funny is we started talking about doing this and like making the preparations uh, April of 2011, I think. <laughs> no. If you can believe that. I yes, don't think so. I believe so. It was either April or May because I remember trying to finagle you into recording an episode while we were on vacation. Yeah, but that was in 2012. I'm sorry. I meant 2012. Yes. I keep no, forgetting it's 2013. This. We had the sorry. idea January. This is where I thought you were going. January of 2012. So this is like our one year. It's over yeah, it's a like, one year anniversary. Right, yeah, a but year. It's the idea. How did we... What? I don't even remember. Someone asked me, why did you do that? Like, what was the idea? I don't remember. I think... You were you were visiting my neck of the woods. We were having breakfast, and it just kind of like came up spontaneously. Like, hey, you know what we should do? And I was like, yeah, it's a good idea. I remember vaguely, like, it didn't start out as, let's just look at each minute and examine one minute at a time. But I don't really remember what the other iterations were. Yeah, it could have been just... Let's just talk about stuff. And I was right. like, I know. Let's talk about the dude. And I was like, I know. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Well, and you know, analyze it minute by Yeah, well, you know, we it, it was fast. I'd say it was about five minutes from iteration zero to about iteration ten, which is the final concept we're now executing on. But which of which we are still executing. We are still... Uh, 
You have to wonder Perfecting what. Perfecting and iterating. <laughs> what is do? What is that? Yes. Hello. Yes, God. What? Oh, maybe now is an appropriate time to introduce our special guest, <laughs> professional house noise maker. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. That was Wilson. <laughs> now, uh, remind me again. I actually don't know this person. She just uh, showed up on the Google Plus Hangout. Uh, what's your name again? I'm Victoria Saxby. That's it. Victoria Saxby, maker of noises. And any other expertise? I am a psychologist by trade and a linguist. Hmm. Are you a cunning linguist? <laughs> oh! I, I have never heard that one before. No, I'm, I got a So you're a psychologist by trade and a linguist by by night? By hobby. By hobby? <laughs> okay. I'm fascinated with linguist things. <laughs> Jeez. You're fascinated with linguists. Now... Maud. Let's talk for a moment about Maud. Even though we haven't seen Maud yet, yes. there's a reason I bring her up. Maud Lebowski speaks with what is called a mid Atlantic dialect. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, uh, Victoria, since sex and been sex and the bees. Saxby. Well, the Mid-Atlantic dialogue is dialect is kind of like this. <laughs> you know, it's very it's almost British. It's almost pseudo-British. And you'll when you watch old movies, you'll hear them talking in it, like Catherine Hepburn, or if you've ever seen Grey Gardens. Catherine Hepburn was awesome in The Aviator. I just want to say that that's yes. one of the few Scorsese movies I liked, and I thought he elicited a pretty damn good performance from it's her. A, it's amazing that she did that posthumously. Yeah. Yes. But no, seriously, though. It wasn't the, funny at all. <laughs> the mid-Atlantic dialect is very, it's very much like that. It's a, it's a pseudo-English, I don't know, it was very popular in Connecticut and uh, the Hamptons, and you hear a lot of it in New York, these richer areas where people are trying to be British, but still very American. Now, these people are in L.A., though. This is a mid-Atlantic dialect. What do you suppose, uh, I don't know, compels Maud to speak like this? It's weird, right? Did she go to school there or something? Did she go to, like, Princeton, maybe, or something? They speak this in Princeton, New Jersey. That's like a wealthy area in New Jersey, right? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I would say that it's similar to the things that's going on right now with the Kim Kardashian, the, um, you know, it's, it's almost an epidemic. It's a, like a virus, these dialects that happen. And perhaps Maud was with friends of that ilk who spoke like that. And you just can't help but speak. If, if I watch five minutes of Grey Gardens, I'll be like, mother, where's the ice cream? You know, I can't help it. I know John Whipple and I used to uh, sometimes get caught in a flat spin, you know, like Maverick and Goose speaking in these, in a British accent, 
like terrible British accent trying to sound like the Beatles. And sometimes it would last for days and we couldn't break out of it. And it's like, stop. I want to hit you in the face. Shut up. I can't help it. And we would just speak in shitty British accents. And it took, you just had to be silent for like 12 hours and not speak. Difficult. And watch uh, <laughs> Jacob's Ladder or something, which is Rough difficult. Is to get health insurance. I have a feeling we're being treated to an example of mid-Atlantic dialect at the moment. That is... Now, who is that? Now, is that a person from this country? I don't speaking? know. So this is Diana Furchgott-Roth, who's someone... So I found a couple days ago a video on YouTube randomly it said the real life Maud Lebowski hmm. and it's someone sounding somewhat like Maud Lebowski I uh, googled just now the real life Maud Lebowski and found something completely different this is just someone saying that this Diana Furchgott Roth <laughs> sounds, like, sounds a lot like Maud Lebowski is that hyphenated that last name it is all right. Two things really found um, sort of Dali's position as a major artist, an artist involved in sort of obviously painting, but also one who is interested in other media such as um, film. Two- has been commended as being strongly vaginal, which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. Vagina. Uh, <laughs> v- vagina. The, so um, she takes yeah. it. Maud takes it even further again because she's uh, the cinematic version of that, so it's n- ratcheted right. up a notch. But yeah, it's pretty much right there. I don't think she sounds that much like Maud, to be honest. It's there. It she's artist. Artist. She's yeah. even talking about artists. We're right. Exactly. For God's it sake. says here Sarah Cochran of L.A. is speaking about Salvador Dali's imagery used in Hitchcock's Spellbound. Coen Brothers referenced this film in the gutterball scene in The Big Lebowski. Man running with scissors. Seems Cohen's may have met her before they made Lebowski. We can't even, we're not even there yet. There's the whole Valkyrie thing, the scissors, Saddam and the stairway up into the nether regions. We can't even get into that yet. And the top comment on this video is, Ha ha ha, nice video, man. (laughs) Man. So... What, I'm going to bring re- this back around. What, why? Did, so you said, you know, we're not to mod yet, but you said there's a right. reason you're bringing there's it up. There's a reason I brought it up. Uh, a very famous person used to speak in a mid-Atlantic dialect besides Catherine Hepburn. That what? Who was that? Do you know who that was? FDR. I mean, FDR, baby. FDR. Who we talked about last time. As being, you know, some sort of bastardized cousin of possibly the rich Lebowski. Yes. Does oh, and I also want to mention that I think the big Lebowski is the titular Lebowski. It occurred to me that I think the dude refers to him as the big Lebowski at one point in this movie. He does. No, he definitely does. So he's the titular Lebowski then. We, that the dude has the titular line right. referencing the, titular the rich Lebowski, Lebowski as the big Lebowski. 
right. Lebowski. So Lebowski. that that's the preferred nomenclature. Then we can agree on that. All right. So just but anyway, FDR spoke with a mid-Atlantic dialect. Everyone uh, did back then. At least everyone they allowed to get near an audio recorder. Yeah, if you had, if you were going to be, you know, in public or be recorded, you had to speak that way. But why? You know, our, we were separated from the British. We wanted to be our own thing. Why then did we have to mimic the British with the, our speech? I don't understand that. Inferiority complex. I, I feel like it's probably the same reason that broadcasters learn that Midwestern accent to be on the news. Well, non-regional is supposed the, to be. Yeah, non-regional. Right. Everyone's supposed to be able to understand it, even if you're from the South or the West. <laughs> that's that's a Western... Yeah. Is that some kind of Western thing? Yeah. Man, that's... Yeah. Uh, no, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't there something like they put... Like, there's some town somewhere... That they base the non-regional dialect off that of? They, that's where they put all the call centers now, because they're not supposed to have an accent. The people it's supposed are. to be somewhere in Ohio, but it's funny because... <laughs> I <Is> that? <laughs> you just saw... I grew up in Ohio. I was born in Toledo, and they don't speak in a non-regional accent. They speak like this. Oh, my God, my mom and I went to the mall, and it was awesome. Right? Right? You put it on the calendar. Yeah, you put it on the calendar. So. Well, we can ask the Google box. Maybe it's fucking Cleveland, man. I think it is actually when you say that, but they still talk all crazy there too. Not as bad as the rest of it, honestly. Cleveland isn't that bad. It might be Cleveland. Cleveland rocks, right? That's all I had about the Mid-Atlantic dialect. I, there's no big shakes. I just thought it was interesting because I went and watched most of the movie all the way through. Because you had mentioned this in a previous episode, Brad, that you were starting to lose track of what was actually happening in this movie. We get bogged down. And, the, and so, so was I. Uh, just literally not understanding what the plot is. So I watched most of it until uh, it got turned off and um, something else got put on. It wasn't Gossip Girls, whatever it was. It was something else. What part did you get to? Well, I started making food in the other room, but I got to... I was still paying attention. The Blu-ray has a cool feature. It's got a quiz, and you can have one person versus another person and it pauses and you can answer questions and burp and it keeps track of the score so anyway i still kind of half paying attention i got to um almost where bunny comes back so almost all the way through it was more like maud shows up at the dude's house yeah so i think so part of my problem is like around like I've only seen around that part and further maybe about half as much as I've seen the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, there's this whole part at the end? Right. Like, things get resolved? Like, I forgot that that actually happens sometimes. It's not just like, 
you know, they're going to kill that poor girl. And, you know, you're, now you're banding. Johnson, like, I start to just lose track. Like, oh, you're yeah, banding about this resolve term pretty loosely. You're playing pretty sure, fast and loose with the term resolve. But well, I know I what you mean. Say resolve. Yeah. But even like when he gets, like, I think it's usually somewhere around like the Jackie Treehorn house. Because, like, I see. The dude in Jackie Treehorn, but then like later on, he ends up in like the like he goes from there to like the sheriff giving him trouble, and I always seem to feel like that sheriff scene is like, wait a minute, this is actually part of the movie, right? I forgot this part. He throws a coffee mug at his head, right, right in his forehead. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah, get your gold brick and ass out of my quiet beach community. But that informs one of the best lines. Yeah, this is the chief of police in Malibu is a real reactionary. I, that's one I use all the time. Ah, oh, he's a real reactionary. I use that all the time without even realizing where it's from. So, the Mid-Atlantic dialect, Maud speaks with that dialect. But the Big the, Lebowski doesn't the Big really, Lebowski does he? The Big Lebowski doesn't. I mean, what does that he's, mean, if anything? He's pompous, but he doesn't have that. Accent. She's trying to prove something. She's better than him? Well, or just that she's more authentic with her art. You know, she's eccentric. It's part of her community. Because Knox Harrington, the video artist, speaks like that, too. The bar's over there. Right. And they're just laughing hysterically. Que ridiculo. (laughs) Yes, que ridiculo. That's one... I don't know. I think I... Yes, that uh, I that always worked that for me. I, that was okay with me. Okay, I mean, that's what nice. totally... We're getting way off this minute here, but we, we should save it for then. But yeah, that's the... We'll mo- forget I mean, by To then. me, that's the defining Maude Lebowski moment right there. Mm-hmm. Where she is... Um, well, she's speaking Spanish in a mid-Atlantic dialect. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it's just so... Yeah, like she is... In some ways, but here's this woman trying to be all fancy. But what she, her, what is, what is her ultimate goal? She's not fulfilled in life by her art or any her money or any baby, baby making. Right. So she's wanting. She's still trying to fill that hole, if you will. She does get the hole filled. (laughs) I'll have to say that. The dude saw to that. She knows simply that she wants, but like so many of us, she knows not what. She just wants it. That's deep, man. That's good work. Was that that Wayne Dyer, Brad? That was Spock in Star Trek The Motion Picture, referring to V'ger. I mean, are we splitting hairs here? Wayne Dyer... Spock. Does Spock have a last name? I'm really pissing you off now. Or is he just Spock? I don't even know. <laughs> Spock really Spockson. <laughs> Spock Spockington. <laughs> Seriously, is he a first or last name or middle or some he, other like sound that you make just like a click like Spock or something? He's just Spock. Well, I believe in an episode of the original series. He mentions that, like, he has another, like, I guess a first name, but it would be unpronounceable by humans. 
Like like Daryl Hannah in Splash. I was just gonna say yeah. that. Yeah, she breaks all the glassware, all the TVs and windows. You don't remember that? I know that movie much better than you, apparently. I do. No, I know. All right. Everything breaks. Uh, so, moving on then. I like then. mermaids. Well, yeah, especially if they look like Daryl Hannah in the 80s. Probably Naked. not now. You right. mean they look like Daryl Hannah and you're in the 80s, right? <laughs> not They look like Daryl Hannah looked in the 80s. I mean, I think um, there's a distinction there that's worth pointing out. I agree. I I guess, but my perspective would be different if I was in the 80s. Don't you agree? Exactly. That's, That's what's the point. Right. Like certain... We talked about this already. Dude, we did not talk about Splash. With, we <laughs> talked about the hotness of changing over time periods. That's true. And that's, that's the, true. ultimately what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah. All right, I, moving on. I get you. I'm following you. Daryl Hannah... You know, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. She's ridiculous? ridiculous. No, uh, the whole thing is ridiculous. How my mind can just get in this groove and end up inadvertently in the same exact place we were at in like five or six episodes ago. Well, you were you forged even realizing these it. connections in your fucking neurons. You know, you're you just you. It's like a path out to the shed through the snow. You keep taking the same path. It's harder and harder to go at anywhere else. <sighs> this all started from the Mid-Atlantic dialect. Have we tapped that out? I mean, are we done with that now? I, we're done. Let's move. Done with that. Point so number anybody, two. Anybody have anything? Are we done? We're just done? All right. Well, great episode, everybody. Click. So, um, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Brad's got something. Uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> there Daryl was... Hannah and Splash. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sounds just the, like her. The I really like so during this minute, which is pretty much continuing what we talked about in the last episode. The last right, same minute, shots, pretty much. Same shots. So. You know, it's the conversation between the dude and the titular Big Lebowski cross-cutting between them mm-hmm. but i really like watching the progression of the dude's uh, demeanor and his facial expressions throughout this so it starts out in this He's kind minute. of bemused yeah it kind of starts out where it was um and we mentioned this last time you know he's just kind of like <laughs> Like he, he's kind of like just he's kind of just confused almost I would say like he's just like I don't understand like I just thought I'd come ask tell this guy oh yeah I need a rug he'd give me one reimburse me like he couldn't imagine that this guy would have a problem with this right or would react in such a way he's just like kind of confused <laughs> he's bewildered by the whole thing but uh, you know and then you know. You know, that's the whole, like, dude, I'm not trying to... No one's trying to scam anyone here. trying to scam you, man. Yeah. And then then he starts, you know, to give a little talk back, right? Get a little sass back to this guy. He's like, hold on, you know. You're Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, right? He starts going that way. But he's not trying to... At that point, he's not yet trying to put the big lebowski in his place he's more like no well what like resetting the board 
Like, wait, we're playing the wrong game here. It's like a checkerboard. It's like put the pieces back. We don't. You don't understand the game. Right. You don't understand the game. I'm the dude, and you're Mr. Lebowski. Right. Let's Get go this back. Straight. <laughs> right. Too much confusion. But then ultimately he does get into a more aggressive stance where he's like, you know, this aggression will not stand. Right. It moves from the friendly game of checkers into a brutal and cutthroat game of chess. Yeah. Just because your wife owes money all all over town. And that's where the dude is outgunned at this point. Like he's playing. He's a boy lost in a man's game at this point. Right. He's trying. But then, right, the hammer comes down from the Big Lebowski, the titular Big Lebowski. My wife! My wife is not the issue here! And then the, I love the dude's reaction at that point because they have a kind of, like, the dude, like, he practically jumps out of his chair with shock and surprise. You can't really see there's, like, a, it's not like it's more of a closer shot, but, like, his leg is up. Like, you can see his knee. Like, I can just imagine if we could see, like, the, the wider shot here, right? Like, him, like, recoiling back with his leg coming off the floor, popping up, like, almost, like, covering his face with his leg, like, trying to, like, just shield himself from the, the rage. Which I have t- two things to say about that. Number one, the dude should be used to this sort of reaction or overreaction because he hangs out with Walter on an almost daily basis. And Walter is prone to these fits of impromptu rage. So it must just be because he's wearing a suit. The Rich Lebowski's wearing a suit and he seems, whatever, proper or something that takes him off guard or something. Well, I, guess. I think Walter, though, doesn't like f- go from like. Like, I'm thinking, like, we know with Smokey, right? Market Zero. Like, he doesn't just suddenly lunge, like, jump up, rip out his gun, right? You know, it's more like, you know, Market Zero. It slowly escalates, you know. This isn't Nom. There are rules, right? It escalates up. He gets the gun out. And even with the gun, you know, I'd have to rewatch the scene to, like, know, to really get deep. But I I think, you know, even with the gun, I picture him being... Angry, but but also kind of calm. He's still in control to some extent at the time. Yeah, right. Waving the gun around. <laughs> Calmer than you are. He See, is waving a gun around in the bull and right in Smokey's face. Loaded and so, gun. And, and it takes face. him less than 20 seconds. Over the line! Yeah, over the so, line. You're right. He just shot that out. When I was watching this minute, I couldn't help thinking that the titular Lebowski, is that what we're calling him? The yeah. big Lebowski? You could call him the big Lebowski, the titular big Lebowski, <laughs> the rich Lebowski, He's Jeffrey the, Lebowski. In my own professional psychological opinion. Man. Man. He is the doppelganger of Walter. Okay, so you mentioned this briefly. You have this this idea. This is my idea. They share a lot of the same dialogue. You know, the Chinaman is not the issue. My wife is not the issue. Discuss. Well, we're not to it yet, but uh, it doesn't happen in this minute. But the titular Big Lebowski does refer to a Chinaman in the next minute. 
Mm-hmm. Some Chinaman took them in Korea. Right. Which wouldn't that be a Korean, but that's neither here nor there. My wife is not the issue. The Chinaman is not the issue. He's prone to outbursts of rage. Uh, has a view of the world that when people don't conform to, gets frustrated and angry. Yes. And I perhaps is Walter going, so, you know, at the end, you know, the Lebowski, the titular Lebowski is is at the end kind of left in shambles, right? His whole illusion is shattered that he's created for himself. Is that correct? Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, so I wonder at, if at least within saging what's going to happen to Walter in some way. At least within this little world, you know, the people at the Urban Achievers Foundation, and he's probably not in shambles to them. City of Pasadena probably thinks he's still pretty cool, you know. But within this little world that he tried to infiltrate with his scheme, he's done in there. He can't. Well, uh, yeah, and perhaps, you know, to himself, right? Like, he's put on these airs. He's convinced himself that he's a certain type of person. And at the end, mm. ultimately he has to come clean to himself that he's really just kind of a loser. Is that mm. accurate at the ending? I don't know. I haven't really seen the ending I, I, of this movie. <laughs> I seem yeah. to recall. I think I saw I the ending say, once. I would say so. Dogs licking his face. I mean, there's literally a dog licking his face. Right. And if you look at their relationships with their women, you know, Walter is there watching his ex-wife's dog while she goes on vacation with her new man. Right. What's her name? Right. And then you've got Bunny sticking her toes in any guy's face, having whatever with the nihilists and floating in the pool. Carl Hungus. There you go. Can't go back to the farm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the dude's got Mott. Is there? Alright. I just gotta look. Is, is there a carlhungus.com? <laughs> well, Because if not, Brad, I'm registering that. If not, you better buy it right now. Of course there is. Carl Hungus. Carlhungus.tv? Nope. Alright. Carlhungus.org. Purchased. Asm. Purchased. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Carlhungus.tv. Carl we used uh, Google one-click checkout, Google Wallet. It's very dangerous for us all to be adults with money more than twenty dollars. Wait, who said? Who's Carl an adult Hungus. here? There's no adults. CarlHungus.tv/slash/logjamming. So, so it, <laughs> <laughs> just, come on. Purchased. Would it be you accurate? Know, all right, but you have on, something to on. say? Go ahead. Well, no, you say it. I can comment, come back to this. I don't want... Uh, no. I wanted to say is... We started this episode as a little experiment. Right. It was an experiment... Failing miserably. <laughs> failing miserably. The experiment was... Can we somehow adapt this show to actually make it listenable? <laughs> and we easily failed at that... So spectacularly. We even brought in reinforcements. <laughs> <laughs> ah, not working. We need to try again. But okay, so you're next saying time. Yes. Next time. Next time. So 
can you characterize this movie? Uh, w- would this be one of many descriptions that you could possibly apply to this movie? A pot-smoking private dick in a period piece set in Los Angeles. Yes, you could apply that. I mean, I you think could the private that. dick is a bit of a stretch. I mean, we've talked about the Chandler connection. Right. Bit so of kind of, I mean, I think, but I think that's definitely what their, this is in some way their take on that. Yes. So yeah, I would ultimately say yes, yes. I didn't mention this, but um, I don't think we even ever, did we ever say that two thirds of the words in the title of this movie are the same as two thirds of of the words in the title of The Big Sleep? Do we ever literally say those words? We never words? said it, and I never, it never even occurred to me. <laughs> I mean... Okay. Uh, so not much that. more to say about that. But nope. So, we said it, though. Said it now. Well, Can't I take just, it back. It's becoming more and more clear. Well, you know, we could just stop this podcast if... Um, like we wouldn't have to do it. We could just once a week turn on some of the commentary on the Blu-ray, and then just it could be a lot shorter and like more listenable, like you said, because they specifically mentioned Star Lane's bowling alley. And I talked about this. It's very staged. The commentary is very staged. It's not what I want out of director commentary. It's little blips that come up for like 30 seconds. So they talk about, number one, Donnie is not somebody they'd normally hang out with. They did that. Then they did, here's the star lanes, an actual place in Hollywood, the blah, blah, blah. And then they did, we kind of based this movie on Raymond Chandler's (laughs) The Big Sleep. So then I stopped listening because I got demoralized. Wow. So there's, is, are we demo, is that demoralizing, or is it simply the fact that, like, hey, we're on the right track? We're not just Lebowski charlatans. We have independently come to the same commentary what? the actual directors of the film have done. Not provable in a court of law, but, you know, we know it. That's you all know it. Zorak know it. That's all that matters. You know? The reason I asked if you could apply that description to this movie is that is not a description of this movie, but I did get that description from a movie. A movie that has not been released yet. It is a movie called Inherent Vice by Thomas Pinchon. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. What? Correct. The story is a noir tale set against the backdrop of the summer of love that involves murder, double crosses, billionaires, and crooked cops. It's not exactly in PTA's usual wheelhouse, but I'm stoked to see someone serious take on standard noir tale, especially one with a different backdrop than we're used to. This comes from ain'tacool.com. Uh, who, this was uh, Eric Vespi. Was there pot smoking in the big sleep? Been a long time since I've seen it. There was probably cigarette smoking. I I guess the point I mentioned is, you know, obviously both these movies could in some way derive, right, from the same stuff that's floating out there in the ether that informed the big sleep. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is the lead, in theory. He was... 
in P.T. Anderson's most recent the Master. film, The Master. Yes. It was going to be Robert Downey Jr. for a little while, but that fell through. I don't mind Joaquin Phoenix as uh, as no. Doc Sportello. He tires me. I like him. He was good in The Master. I have not seen The Master, crazily enough. We were going to go. I got it confused with The Artist, which I just yes. I didn't see on principle. I just I didn't, didn't see it on principle. I just simply didn't see The Artist. There, There's no principles involved. But The Master I did see. Did you like it? I did like it. It was very good. Um, I would warn you or anyone else going to see it, do not expect like a a quote-unquote movie. This is much more like a art film, and I can't imagine like mass audiences like you know probably just being. I just imagine mass audiences like being alienated from this. It is much, much more of a. I would say out of everything P.T. Anderson has done, this is by far like his most arty slash impenetrable type of work. It's really like there's not really any plot per se. It's really just like hardcore character study and just a chance for these two actors, Philip Seymour Hoffman P. Hoff P.S. Hoff not P. Hoff P.S. Hoff not to be confused with P. Hoff he was the governor of Vermont very different P.S. Hoff and uh, Joaquin to like show off their chops and like play off each other or Leaf if you will okay Okay. His, his the, old stage name was Leaf. Oh, I thought Leaf was something actors did off each other. I thought that was part of your linguist, like <laughs> your deep knowledge of language was able to. When he was in Parenthood and some other movie, like in the early '90s, he was Leaf. Leaf Phoenix. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That was his Leaf name, Phoenix. like in the credits. Yes, I think he was trying to be like his older brother, River. I have a River. natural name too. Holy Leaf. shit, his brother is River Phoenix? Yes! <laughs> Holy shit! You guys are gonna have to go on without me. <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, yeah. How many last names? How many people have last name Phoenix? I am a, such an imbecile. <laughs> Holy Jesus. Deep breaths. Alright. So speaking Indiana of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. River Phoenix. Yes. That Rivers is correct. Cuomo. Sweater song. <sighs> so speaking of media. Are, are they related to Rivers Cuomo though? Seriously. No, they are not. Alright. The dude <gasps> has a book out. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Or a book coming out. Zen and the... No, something and the Zen Master. and the Zen Master. Yes. Which... It's described as a jam session in book form by... On thehairpin.com. A jam session in book form. Yes. Which sounds... 
like the shittiest book I've ever heard of. <laughs> Possibly. It, so I'm just I saying that. I have no idea if this book would really be too great. I mean, it, it might be awesome. I don't know. But it, it might be awesome. It might be like, awesome. It seems reading what little I've read about it that so there's Bernie Glassman, who is a quote unquote Zen master end quote. But let's face it, Je- Jeff Bridges didn't. Oh, he's got the same first name in real life as he does in the movie. How about that? He uh, he didn't write The Big Lebowski, you know? No. So, like, why am I psyched to read his ramblings? You know, you know I don't want to be too I mean? much of a dick, but it just sounds like a big cash-in. It does. Well, it totally does. But why does he need that? He's, you know, doing as well as he ever has. Maybe Bernie Glassman needed it, and the dude thought it would be fun. And by the dude, I mean Jeff Bridges. Someone is trying to hang out with me right now. Uh-oh. Yeah, your uh, video's frozen, so... Yeah. Maybe it's I mean, Bernie I, Glassman. It might be. He's heard we're talking about him. Oh. Bernard. Yes. Jeff Bridges, Bernie Glassman. What's weird is so they talk about the Zen Master, but there's... This other site, because I was just doing some Googling to find some information on this. Again, and shitting all over our new rules. There's the Algemainer. I have no idea what this website is. Algemainer? I don't know. Anyway, the headline on this site is, Jeff Bridges' new book compares iconic Big Lebowski character to Kabbalah concept. Which, Jewish mysticism. Yes. That's all I know about that. Yes, and it surprises me because I'm like, well, that's Kabbalah and Zen. I don't know enough about Kabbalah, but I don't generally consider those two things. But I think more like it's a jam session, right? Not unlike what we're doing right here. It's a jam session. Well, you could transcribe what we're doing here and turn it into a book. We'd have a jam session of a book. Well, maybe we should do that. You know, uh, transcription services are pretty affordable. That's true. Uh I shudder to read this because I just did Bernie Glassman. Uh, Three down. Jeff Bridges and Bernie Glassman's Dude and the Zen Master. And then it gives you a little snippet of the review. The Dude and Zen Master is an incomplete and spotty guide to Zen philosophy, where sometimes the Dudism and the Buddhism mix in dot, dot, dot. That doesn't sound like that's going to be a positive review of the book. I think it also depends, again, it's expectation to pay off. Because if you're like, okay, I'm right. gonna get, I really want to get into like Zen philosophy here. This is not right? what you should do. I've always been interesting, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I know a lot about Theravada Buddhism. Now I want to get into the Mahayana. I think this might be a good way to start. Like, no, this would, no. don't go to Jeff Bridges and his dude book about that. No, this is for... It would be an know, incomplete if, guide. I would expect it, this to be an incomplete guide to Zen concept. It's a complete guide, in theory, to Dudism, though, in which theory, I was yes. recently introduced to. We got a shout out from the dude at Dudism. dot com, which I hadn't heard of Dudism before. Had you heard of Dudism before? I Did have. You know actually. of that? I know. You had of heard of that? Yeah, I had heard of Dudism. I had not heard of it. Although, it's one of these things where it took me. Like several years, so I realized. Wait, Dudism sounds a lot like Buddhism. There's just you know, <laughs> it's right in your face sometimes. Yeah. The Big Lebowski, the Big Sleep. 
Jeffrey Bridges, Jeffrey Lebowski, dudeism, Buddha. It did not occur to me. No, that did not occur to us, dude. The obvious escapes me a yes. lot of times. Fucking Joaquin Phoenix and River Phoenix. Are you kidding? My whole life. What is wrong with me? Are you just watching uh, short films on the internet, <laughs> Leslie? I think you are. I can't um, get it to go. I mean, it sounds like a really, really, <laughs> really cool movie, but, uh, you know. It is. So, hold what? on. <laughs> But I, I like dudism, so I think you're right. If you're not expecting, you know, some sort of guide to Zen, some sort of complete Zen guide, it could be fun. More of a dudist rather than a Buddhist book. Maybe. Yes. So, Who knows? So one last thing I'll say about this. They, so they mentioned the Kabbalah concept, which I don't know uh -huh. a lot about Kabbalah, but it mentions here... Um, According to spirituality the, dot whatever, I'm mostly a Theravada Buddhist. By the way, this is like the Elgin Minor still. This 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 uh, website about the where they have this little write up on this. It says the connection with Bridges' character, the dude from the film The Big Lebowski, with the Kabbalistic concept of Zadikim Nisterim, which teaches that there are quote 36 people in the world. And that were it not for them, all of them, if even one of them was missing, the world would come to an end. End quote. So that's fucking interesting. Well, I think there's more than 36 people in the world, though. Just for starters, just to start it off. Is this types of people? No, there's 36 special people that need so to is. exist. Like the dude would be one of them, for example, taking it easy for all those sinners, right? Like, like if these, there's just out there, perhaps unbeknownst to them and to everyone else, these 36 people are the key to the whole world. That's, that's, that's interesting. Well, Scientology has a similar thing. I just read that in my Us Weekly, that Tom Cruise and David... The Tome for Linguists Everywhere. And David Miscavige, or whatever, the head of the Church of Scientology, told Tom Cruise he was one of the only people who could save the world. One of the only real people. It's not something you tell someone with a head full of Scientology, if you ask me. It sounds like a mission that might be impossible. So we're at 46 uh, minutes. Well, we're doing all right. Anything we're doing all right. other hardcore uh, well, concepts um, here in this minute? I wanted to mention briefly that uh, the Coen brothers do have a new movie coming out. Inside Lewin Davis. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for this movie? I have. What did you think? I mean, it certainly looks interesting. It looks like it could be good. Um, I heard one blogger describe it as Oscar bait, which I kind of could see that in a way. 
Not yeah. that that's a bad thing. Sometimes I've really enjoyed Oscar Bates movies. Oscar Bates, he makes really good movies. That's I'm glad you mentioned that because Oscar Bates Esquire. Right. The master? JP J. Oscar Bates Esquire. Master Oscar Bates, exactly. <sighs> I felt like that's what rubbed me the wrong way. I mentioned the English patient before. That's yes. what I was talking not hyped up, but the English patient was just Oscar bait. That's all it was. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes so, it's right. just sometimes stupid. it doesn't work. Um anyway, inside Lewin Davis, you saw the trailer. Did you happen to notice what music was playing throughout the trailer? Don't that look it up be, now. That would be Robert Dylan. Robert Bobby Dylan, Dylan Esquire, Bobby D, Bobby MC Darren. Bobby D, <laughs> and the two tones. MC yes. Bobby D, well known for the Elastic Band Dance, nineteen eighty three. Right, precursor to Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Exactly. Widely cited as the inspiration for that song. But you know they just can't get away from. Dylan. They just love them some Dylan, don't they? So what are some other Dylan Cohen Brothers connections? Uh, only this one. This is all we talk about, so that's all that matters. That's all that matters, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I was just I'd wondering if there were that. others, because, again, very obvious things like, you know, fail to impress on me sometimes, so. Right. Uh, well, you know, no, I don't know. I can't think of any. It seems like that's what they do these days, though, Oscar bait, kind of. Don't they? No Country for Old Men. Isn't that kind of Oscar bait? Uh, a Serious Man. Isn't that supposed to be Oscar bait? Like, very slow, man. deliberate, like... Yeah. Uh, well, what about um, the Western with the dude in it? The uh, Oh, True Grit. True Grit. Oscar bait. I loved it, though. Oscar bait, but very good. I thought that was a great movie. That little yeah. girl was awesome in that movie. That girl was awesome. Uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. So good Matt in that movie. Matt Damon was great. <laughs> you know, when he first showed up, I was like, this movie just jumped the shark. This movie sucks now. Matt Damon, are you kidding me? Because I didn't really know. I didn't see a lot of trailer. I didn't realize he was going to be in it. And all of a sudden, there his face was in a Western that up to that point had been pretty freaking awesome. And I'm like, you just ruined it. Took me about, it's kind of like maybe a similar phenomenon to high frame rate. A little while, you stop noticing it, maybe it will become awesome. Because Matt Damon yeah. certainly became awesome in that movie. Yes, yes, he did. Man. Well, the, the Cullen brothers, that's what they do. They take high profile actors and put them in these eccentric, ridiculous characters, but yet make it work somehow. Somehow they break them down. They're like the army. They yeah. break them down and then build them back up into something right. completely different. Like Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona. Insane character. Oh, my goodness. Um, to be the, fair, that was one of his early roles. Yes. There maybe wasn't as much breaking down that had right. to happen. He hadn't well, been and, in The and, Rock yet. Yes. And Cage definitely, especially back then, did a lot of eccentric stuff. Uh, so George Clooney, though. But I was going to say George Clooney's the next one. George Clooney, Old Country for Old Men. Like, or what the... F in uh, the... Uh, whatever, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou. And yeah. an underrated Coen Brothers flick, uh, Burn After Reading. Yes. 
not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, but George Clooney right. was particularly awesome. That also in that. had Brad Pitt in another, yes, in a zany role. Well, Brad Pitt doesn't do shit. No, he does. That's not. another one. The more you crow, the less you know. Brad Pitt don't do shit. So, what's a name a bad Brad Pitt movie? I dare you. Don't say Cool World. Move past it. I can't think of one. There is some right. movie where he had screwed up hair. It was really early. It was on IFC. Johnny Swade. Johnny Swade, yeah. I don't dislike that movie. I've never really watched it. Thelma so. and Louise. That's a good movie. I know. He was in it. So here's the thing that I thought was interesting with Inside Lewin Davis. I feel like they're pawning it off to be like a biopic of Bob Dylan by using the song and everything, and it's not about him at all. I, I kind of know what you mean. There is a little bit of like a dissonance there because it's about a folk singer, and they're playing another folk singer's music. It's almost like the soundtrack should have either like an original song... Or it should have just something incongruous with folk music. Like, I don't know right. what, classical music or Right. It's like hip-hop. putting Coldplay on, so it's going to make it sound awesome, you know. But they're trying to give it that texture. So, well, this is, so I'll say this. The last shot, at least of the trailer I saw, is where he goes to try to convince the guy to let him have a gig in his, mm-hmm. you know, big club or whatever. And he's like, I don't want to listen to the record. Play me something, right? And what does he do? He gets his guitar out, and he he doesn't actually play. He, like, kind of starts to try and then thinks about it and resets and almost plays and doesn't, and then the trailer stops. And you're left not knowing. You're left kind of thinking that he might not even be able to play that guitar. So that effect would have been ruined had they had like an original Lewin Davis song maybe they just wanted yeah. to give the texture of folk music yeah you're right I mean I think that it the trailer's good it works and it also I mean I think there's positives and negatives to it without a doubt I do like I, the way that ends the trailer ends that's it well, that is what I call a strong ending that's a strong ending the rest of it eh like it I, ends I didn't with like that tension there was too much between her and him, like her lines too much. It just, I don't, yeah, I didn't like all of it, but I thought the ending was good. Yeah, like that ending is almost like, like just that scene of him, yeah, like play me. No, I want you. Don't play me the record. Play me something. And then he picks up the guitar. Then he hesitates, like stops, puts his arm out, like, Ugh, right. and picks it up, like okay, I'm gonna actually do this. And then cut to black. Like that itself is a very satisfying little movie little like 10 second movie in and of itself like i'd pay just to watch that 10 seconds right but it's not necessarily it's effective it's not satisfying it's very unsatisfying because well, you're left not knowing what the hell is it's a happen, very it's effective though yes it's a very satisfying unsatisfaction i guess you could say it's a very appealing yeah. unsatisfaction like that tension yeah, they create sure you is want delicious. that it, yes it creates a delicious tension um, Inglorious Bastards. Brad Pitt movie. Not Coen Brothers, but not, one not, where he assumed a 
strange character, a la Coen Brothers. Not a... I didn't see the whole thing. Not a great movie, though, I don't think. Oh, I thought it was very, very good. Maybe I need to watch the whole thing, like, sit down and watch it. Yeah, People it's one of it. these things where you have to, like, watch it. Like, you, you need to... So, I saw that movie in the theater. Thought it was amazing. Hmm. Months later, I'm at a party, and someone, like, puts that movie on. Which I think is very bizarre. Like, oh, this is a great movie to play in the background at some party. Like, movie about World War Two and Holocaust. Like, okay, sure. Watch Schindler's that. List. Yeah, but um, I mean, but again, you know, and my wife Christine had not seen the movie in the theater, and that movie was on, and she was watching it and watching part of it, and she was like, you know, oh, this movie is just horrible. Like, it's unwatchable. And it's like, well, no, you have to, you have to, again, it's Tarantino, you have to invest yourself, you have to watch. Could uh, could you hear the movie, though, or is it loud, the I mean, music I think that going? I part of it, it was hard to hear what was happening and pay yeah, attention. You're, you're, again, your attention is divided, because other people right. are, like, carrying on, you're like, oh, yeah, that's fun, blah, 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 and then you go back to the movie, and you can't, like, so much of the movie is the tension, and so much of the movie is, like, Okay, it's really just two dudes talking. You know, Tarantino, very talky, right? But like, sure. it's two guys talking, but, like, the tension of, like, which one is going to actually finally, like, flip and kill the other one or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just so, or, like, okay, two guys talking, but at what point is the tank going to just burst in and kill? Like, it just drove you crazy through the whole thing. It, I thought it was very good. Well, Tarantino's an excellent thief. I, I think it was Hitchcock, and it's like... You know, you, he said, you can have two guys talking, say they're in a, in a bar, two guys at a, a two-top, talking, across a table. All right, that can go on for minutes and minutes and minutes, ten minutes. That could be the most boring scene you've ever seen in your life. They could, just talking about whatever. It didn't even have to be talking about anything that meaningful. The movie Coffee and Cigarettes. Sure. I w- maybe not. I mean, I, I have somewhat of a soft spot for that. Some of those little vignettes are pretty good. Some of the vignettes good. were boring. Go on. Uh, your boy's in one of those. I know. With Alfred Molina. So, I know Alfred Molina's name. I forget his name. He's forgettable. Which is apropos of that vignette. Anyway... All of a sudden, you put a briefcase with a bomb under that table that neither of those two men know about. The scene becomes much, much more interesting. You can't even bear it, and you're hanging on every word. Yeah. Tick, 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 and it's like you know it's going to go off in ten minutes. Well, that's going to be a very engaging ten minutes of dialogue. If done right, but... I don't know. I'm just agreeing with you, I guess. It, yeah. it can be just talking and still be really tense and like yeah. effective. I mean, it was it was yeah, it was very good. I would just say the, with the tension and also just with everything, you know, you know, you know, his story. It's it just good. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna get into it. Just I'm gonna say it's good. I thought it was very good. I want to go back to you. What you said about the dude. We'll talk about the Big Lebowski for a second. Where. The rich Lebowski pounds on the table. He says, your wife goes out, blah, blah, blah. 
He pounds on the table. My wife is not the issue. And the dude recoils like, like a six-year-old getting spanked by the principal or something. They cut to a much closer shot. It's the first time they change the angle in this back and forth. And I'm pretty sure it's the only time they change. I think after that shot, they go back to wider shots. But they cut just for effect so you can really see the dude's face. They cut to a closer close-up. Yeah. But then they go back to it. They just wanted to, like, boom, go in for a second so to emphasize that moment. So that's good. I mean, I would good, be interested uh, to see it cut where they're still at the wider shot, because I think the dude's body language, which you only kind of, again, you see part of his leg, like the, seeing his whole body kind of recoil up, I think w- would be, I don't know, right? I'd have to see it and see how the scene flows, but to me, that would be kind of interesting to see, and I think it could have like maybe some of the comedic concept Although I don't think they wanted this to be comedic at all, though, because yeah. at this point you still think the Rich Lebowski well, right. is some big shit, yeah. and it's all about the eyes, Brad. It's all about the eyes. True enough. So they wanted to get in there so you could see his eyes better. But but this reminds me going back to you know a discussion we had much earlier of you know. The dude comes home in the beginning of the movie, and the thugs are there, and they start throwing right. his head in the toilet. It's like, oh, he's all cavalier. Let me look down there. I think it's down there somewhere. But here he is talking to the big Lebowski. He just bangs on the table, and the dude is ready to like almost shit himself. Oh, great! He's it's so like a game of tug of war, and you're you're gaining some, you know, a couple <laughs> feet back. You know, I'm getting dragged yeah. closer to the mud pit now. But uh, this, most of this is not the pounding on the table. Most of it is the suit. The mansion, the trappings of success surrounding him, the fact that he wants something from him. Uh, The treehorn thugs are just his same thing, really. Maybe. I think, but I think, you know, the dude doesn't show any kind of, like, deference for for these trappings of, of affluence. A little bit. Because he's just like, you know, looking at the stuff, yeah, far out, man. Like, you know, oh, yeah, well, Nancy's pretty good. Nancy's like, pretty good, he, Chuck, he, you know. Come yeah. Grudgingly, he, I think he starts to say, oh, wow. Dude, no one's oh. trying to scam anyone. Like, he's not taking a bat. He's not, like, taking any of this to... I'm not saying to he's totally time. intimidated or, like in awe of anything but you know it's uh, all i'm saying is it's a different dynamic he's got between himself and the titular lebowski and himself and two thugs that are peeing on his floor it's a different dynamic he doesn't expect someone in a suit like this to well, boom slam I mean, that's the table. part of it i mean he didn't expect as he was in a room walking as he walked in to be grabbed from behind by a thug either but I will say there is, I think, part of the surprise here because he definitely, again, like I talked about, through this whole minute, the previous minute and this minute, there's this slow escalation, right, of like, I'm just a chilled out dude, man. What's the big deal? To slowly getting more and more, um, uh, you know, freaked out. So, Brad, what do you think, though, back to my idea about the doppelgangers, right? And then you've got the dude saying, repeating um, George Bush's comment, this aggression right. will not stand. So they're, they're constantly repeating the dialogue 
and passing it off like a hot potato or are they what do you think I don't know well, what's this so first to talk about the doppelganger concept separate from the dialogue I just think that that's I mean that's not something that I ever really thought about but you know just hearing you say that I think that sounds very much on the money to me that there is this parallel here somehow I mean they're, they are like alternate universe versions of each other like one person that was obviously much more uh, effective in his life used that 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 grit or whatever you'd want to call it and that anger right. issue and that maybe preoccupation with a certain you know political mindset. Not that they both have the exact same political mindset, but they have a certain obsession with it. I think um, to, they use these different effects, but I think without a doubt there's there's a connection there and a strong connection. So I can definitely see that, and I think that's something as we go forward we're going to have to look out for more and, and look for more things, you know, to either, like, you know, enforce that or maybe, you know, change our minds about that. In so the dude the in dialogue, H.W. Sorry. No, go on. Well, the dude in H.W. are theoretical doppelgangers. Walter and the titular Lebowski are theoretical doppelgangers. Do we have any other tandems? Or is that it? I don't know. I wasn't thinking in terms of tandems being a theme. I was just thinking specifically that that those there was a link between Walter and the Big Lebowski thematically in some well, way. Well, we the, the stranger think, establishes a literal link by his narrative between the dude and George H. W. Bush. So that's the first one. I mean, he says it. Right. Yeah, we talked about this. He says. Well, Back this happened around the same time as our conflict with Saddam and the Iraqis. Sometimes there's a man. I won't say a hero. I mean, we yeah. talked about this comparison across multiple episodes. We did. And, chew on this. Here you have three, not world wars, but three controversial wars. You've got Korean, which is what the titular Lebowski served in. Vietnam... For Walter, and then you've got Desert Storm. Yeah, and it's George almost like about. a progression in a way. I mean, you start with, and, and they're reflections of America, I could say, right? You start with 1950s, you know, Korean War era. Titular Lebowski is a product of that and represents that. Then you have Vietnam era, which is definitely, you know, that Walter fits into there to some degree. And then there's, if we're going to make this connection right, you have the Iraq War and George H.W. Bush, in which case the dude is representing that. Now, of which course, the dude is, you know, a contemporary of Walter. Right, but it just means he was ahead of his time. Right. I, well, yeah, I think, again, it's more of a thematic sense than any, like, actual, like, let's look at three generations and how they each respond to war differently. I think, it, but... Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think there's, without a doubt, the war thing, again, is further um, further enforces this connection between Walter and the titular Lebowski. And I'm really, really in- into that right now. I'm loving that concept, and, you know, I, I need to watch more and chew on that for a while. And yeah. then you've, you've got people like my grandfather who served in WW2, and he's looking, if somebody came and said, oh, I served in Korea, he'd be like, yeah, great, but that wasn't a real war. 
you know, so is there some kind of like overcompensation happening or like wishing you had a bigger war to serve in? I don't know. I mean, definitely if you're a WW2 vet, you kind of like you're at the top of the uh, food chain war wise, I would say. Right. Like nobody can give you the the stinky eye for that. You're not allowed to. Uh, people can give you the stink eye for Korea, Vietnam, all the rest of them probably. WW2, WW1, beyond reproach as far as wars go. But really, the Korean, which well, it wasn't a war, it was a conflict, lasted longer than the rest of them. Right? Didn't it last forever? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe I don't I'm, know much about it. Me either. Well, that's the whole thing. So, yeah, you do have to compensate because, you know, it's kind of the forgotten war. Right. But the, the Korean War Memorial is awesome in D.C. Let me say that. It is. It's pretty darn cool. It is. They... God. I was going to say, the Korean and the Vietnam memorials are probably the two my the two most poignant for me. Yeah. When the titular Lebowski slams on the desk and the dude recoils, the Coens play a little fast and loose with their sound effects. Watch... Yeah. What? So don't even watch. Just rewind to that moment, and then close your eyes and listen to it as he pounds on the desk. I have no way to do that without the sound bleeding through to the mic. But maybe that would be a good thing. That's all right. The listeners here. We can hear it, even if they can't see. Just promise we to want, close so we your want eyes. To see when when he. Pounds. Go from like 1352 or 1350. But don't look at it. Now, what did you hear when he pounded? His I pound. Heard him, I heard him pound and I heard things like roll on his desk. So I ask you that's what I hear also. What rolled? What's rolling all over the place on his desk? Examine the items before right. the pound. Examine the items after the pound. What has rolled? We do see the... the magnifying glass rattle a little bit. The magnifying glass, the handle of it lifts up in the air. It kind of lifts up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call that a roll. It's not like somebody spilled a container of Lincoln Logs all over his desk. And the pen. Or pens. I'd well, the we pen never in identified what that weird wooden, like, square thing is. That could be made out of some kind of, like, it almost looks like it's made out of, like, Lincoln Logs. They could have bounced in the air and all fell back. Together. I'm going to play it again. Will not stand, I mean, your wife goes 
I mean, it's an extended, like, things falling out of something and rolling around. I just, here's my point. They just put the sound in that they wanted it to make. Right. They didn't put the sound in that it would actually no. make. And That's if you all. close, yeah, and again, closing your eyes, it is almost cartoony. Like, what I hear, what I see in my mind listening with my eyes closed is like the cigars, the magnifying glass, his little wooden box, all of it, like literally flying maybe flying up into six the air. to 12 inches in the air. And coming back down. Like, that's right. what it sounds like. Spread all over, like, cast about everywhere now, and his desk will be in complete disarray. But everything's right where it was. The magnifying glass comes up off the desk a little bit. They just used it for the, to add extra impact to the dude's reaction, really. Yes. To help motivate that. Because they probably had it in there, and it's like, you just hear him smack the desk a little bit. Well, that doesn't sound... You can even see the titular Lebowski as he hits. Like, it's open-palmed. Like, it probably doesn't... Not anything that impressive or intimidating. He just hits it kind of with the flat of his palms. Big deal. You have to put all those extra little nuances in there. That's all. Sound is a fallacy. Sound design is a fallacy. But you don't notice it. it took me many times watching and listening to this, and I had to do the whole eyes closed trick to notice it. It's just, it's kind of what your mind wants to hear. The trick is knowing what that is without hearing it. It's an art. It's definitely an art. Yeah, that's, if you didn't hear all those noises, it would, there would, be something missing. Yeah, they're, they're probably watching it like, this is not working. Mm. The scene is not working. What is up? Uh, I can cut to him sooner. Uh, we do have a tight. Can I go to the tight? That's better. It's not... Something's up still. Here. What if I made it like the... He beats on it. It sounds like boomy, like thunderous. No, that doesn't... That's too much. It draws attention to itself. What if you make like everything rattle? Yes, there it is. There you go. There it is. We're learning things. It's like you went to film school. Pshaw, who needs film school? School of Hard Knocks. That's right. That's Adam's only teacher. (laughs) One, two, three, high street. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, listen, people, I'm tapped out. I got um, nothing. Yeah, I'm tapped. Well, you know, we're at a minute and 14, or an hour and 14 minutes. We've exceeded. Is that so bad? No. It's not so bad. Well, we have an extra person this week. Yeah. Thank you, Victorious Saxon on my uh, Leesburg Pike. Appreciate the input. Uh, it was my pleasure. You're a clever linguist. Wait, is that it? Cunning. Thank you. Yes. Bradley, another fine... Adam. Fine endeavor. Indeed, sir. I think that's it. So, um... I bid you adieu. 
Excelsior, my friends. Adam. Victoria. Br Bradley. Victoria. Yes. Victoria, Poof, would you do us the honors? Oh, he beat me to it. All right, strike that from the record. <laughs> You're right, Victoria. This is you. This is for you to take us out here. Special guest. Cook deck. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Gutter Balls. Condolences. The bomb's lost.